Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, children and babies, cats and dogs, mammals and rats. Welcome to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your co-host, Wazdy Lambray, a.k.a. Big Waz, a.k.a. the Haitian Sensation, a.k.a. the Haitian Irritation, <laughs> a.k.a. the <laughs> your favorite Haitian. <laughs> um, of course, I'm joined this week by my brother, my man, Nando Vila, Michael Brooks, happens to be in Brazil. No, he's not at Carnival. He's actually <laughs> doing a really important interview with um, President Lula. So we got Nando in his place. Nando, welcome aboard, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I got to say. I got to uh, come I, up with some of my own AKAs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We got You got to. And they got to be racially problematic. Okay, okay. Um, you I know, because, that. you know, like. Like Jamal, I mean, excuse me, Michael's middle name is Jamal. Yeah, I know. Mine's which Duncan, is just a, which is hilarious. Yours is Duncan? Yeah. Oh, my God, man. No, come on. Come on. You're such a bad brown guy. Jesus. I know. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm an imperialist. What do you want me to say? I mean, I come from a long line of imperialists and fascists. That's what Spaniards are. You, you, your, your middle name is problematic for the for the like the exact opposite reason that michael's is right exactly yeah it's like I, we should is, switch yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like yours is oh just like wait there's no reason for your middle name to be that white bro yeah like relax like your, your name is not lord dartmouth or something <laughs> like what the fuck you is know, going on my dad almost gave me malcolm as my middle name, which would have been hilarious. Wow. Uh, yeah. He really wanted a Scottish name because he was, he went to boarding school in Scotland when he was a little kid for one okay. year. He thought it, he thought it was, there's no, there's no middle names in Spain. Like Spain doesn't have middle names. Okay. So there's no like tradition of that. So he thought it'd be funny just to give me a Scottish name. Um, and the two finalists were Malcolm and Duncan. And I got, so wait, Duncan. Malcolm is a Scottish name. Yeah. Yeah. Malcolm and wow. Nigel. Like those, those names are like super Scottish, you know, like Malcolm McDowell, the actor who is, uh, who's in, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange. Like, you know, that's, that's like a very kind of, uh, okay, so, Scottish name. Which is hilarious because in 2020, 100% if you meet a person named Malcolm or Nigel, they're black. Oh, black. A hundred percent. There's yeah. no, there's no question. Like, yeah. I don't know how or why that happened. Yeah. Um, maybe white people were just like, fuck it, Malcolm X took over the fucking name. We're done with it. But like, dude, like Nigel, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I have never met a white Nigel in my life. I've met yeah. plenty of Jamaican ones, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's probably there's probably a relationship there, like some sort of imperialist thing. But I mean, of it, course, it does seem like it does seem like black people have appropriated it and taken it as their own. And now white people. Yes, same with Tyrone and a yeah. few uh, Jerome and a few other ones. Right. But moving right along to today's show, we're going to talk about the Democratic debate. Uh, things seem to be heating up between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's campaigns, and it seems it's sort of getting personal. Uh, we want to get into some of the other candidates, of course, the other big guys in the race, Joe Biden, who's the front runner currently, and Buttigieg, who's just, you know, the centrist that won't fucking leave us alone. And then, of course, we're going to cover Senator Cory Booker dropping out of the race. But of course, first, man, we got to get into last night. The hot news on social, on cable news, in the New York Times, the Washington Post, is essentially Elizabeth Warren and her campaign claiming that Bernie Sanders at an event 
in 2018 told her that it was his belief that a woman could not defeat Donald Trump for the presidency. Uh, this, of course, came up during the debate. Bernie vehemently denied the charge. Elizabeth Warren neither confirmed nor denied that it happened. Uh, they had a weird exchange at the end of it. CNN reported yesterday that, and Senator Sanders, Senator Warren confirmed in a statement that in 2018, you told her that you did not believe that a woman could win the election. Why did you say that? Well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. Uh, and I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this because this is what Donald Trump and maybe some of the media want. Uh, anybody knows me knows that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman could not be president of the United States. Go to YouTube today. There's a video of, the, of me 30 years ago talking about how a woman could become president of the United States. In 2015, I deferred, in fact, to Senator Warren. There was a movement to draft Senator Warren to run for president. And you know what? I said, stayed back. Senator Warren decided not to run, and I did, I did run afterwards. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States. And let me be very clear. If any of the women on this stage or any of the men on this stage win the nomination, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's me. <laughs> but if they do, I will do everything in my power to make sure that they are elected in order to defeat the most dangerous president in the history of our country. So, Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Bernie is my friend, and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. But look, this question about whether or not a woman can be president has been raised, and it's time for us to attack it head on. Nando, I want to I want to hear um, sort of your feelings, about you know, just the, the accusation being levied just in the first place. I was, frankly, really shocked when I saw it. I mean, I did not think that Elizabeth Warren would resort to that kind of tactic. I mean, it is the sleaziest thing you could do. It is the sleaziest attack so far in the entire Democratic primary by far. I mean, it's at the level of the Clinton campaign in 2008, releasing the photo of Obama dressed as a Muslim with no comment, just like, oh, look, we found this. Make up your own mind. You know, um, this was um, it reeked of desperation because um, notoriously voters hate it when candidates go negative on each other. And it, the only thing the only reason to resort to to that kind of negativity is if you're really desperate and you really want to bring someone down. You cannot really bring yourself up by going negative, um, but you can bring someone else down. And that's what Warren was doing with Bernie. I mean, it's just there's no other way to read it. Um, in theory, this was a retaliation to the political the political story that came out that some Bernie volunteer in Iowa in a private Slack channel was uh, cycling these talking points uh, to give the volunteers in case a potential voter asked them why to vote for Bernie instead of Elizabeth Warren. And the talking points were about as mild a uh, quote unquote attack as you can imagine, which it just points out that Bernie's base of support um, is 
lower income uh, and less educated, whereas Warren's base of support is uh, more more wealthy and more well educated, which is objectively true um, in any way you can read it. Um, and it, and again, as far as political arguments go, that's about as tame as you can as you can get. Um, the Warren campaign was apparently very outraged by this story. This, to be clear, this was not from Bernie himself. This was not even necessarily from a high-level staffer. It was from an internal Slack channel, um, not necessarily something that was divulged publicly. So then Warren came back um, and, and sort of her campaign leaked to CNN um, that in a private meeting in 2018, in which it was only Bernie and Elizabeth Warren in the room, he told her that he didn't believe a woman could be president. And then four anonymous sources who, quote unquote, had knowledge of the meeting and heard about it afterwards, so like weren't there firsthand, confirmed it. And then when Bernie campaign denied that, Warren herself confirmed that it happened. On the record, she said, he said this to me. Of course, that was the night before the debate. Of course, he was going to be asked about it. And then the way the CNN woman asked about it, it was as if a it, it was... It was a given that he said it. He was like, why? She's like, why did, why did you say that? And he's like, well, like, as a matter of fact, I didn't say that, you know, because it's a he said, she said. There is no witness to it. You know, the, this idea that this was a reported story um, with corroboration is, is ludicrous because the only person who can confirm it is Warren herself. And the only person who can deny it is Bernie himself. No one else was there to uh, confirm or deny what happened. Um, and then when Bernie flatly denied it and the CNN woman confirmed that he flatly denies it, he goes, I just want to hear, I just want to get you a, a, he goes, yes, I did not say that. She then goes to Warren, uh, how did you feel when he said that? I mean, and Bernie, all you could do is just start laughing because of how ridiculous the whole thing is. Um, and it just, I, 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 you know, it was, it was, it was very strange to see Warren double down. I kind of half believed that she was going to deescalate in the debate, um, heading into it because I thought that there was no way that she could live with herself after doing such an obviously sleazy thing. I mean, she knew exactly what she was doing when she confirmed that story. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just wild to see it. It was wild to see the moderators, um, just completely steamroll over Bernie's denial and just assume that he did say it. You know, I'm of a couple of minds here, right? Uh, one, I think both. I think it's weird to me that both campaigns seem to be shocked that a competition has broken out in this fucking primary. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is what is. This is what it is, right? Like, this is what it's going to be. Like, you guys are trying to become the president of the United States. Like, it's not going to be this namby pamby. You know, okay, guys, let's play nice and let's pillow fight. Blah blah blah. And I think that's both campaigns. Like. Acting shocked and clutching your pearls that Bernie's staffers would go out and try to get people to vote for Bernie. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then, you know, even this attack, like, even on its face, even if you want to think that it's true, I mean, is it the worst thing? Like, it, like not even if you assume that it's true, like, is it so bad to assume that Americans are too sexist? to vote for a woman president. Like, I don't like the statement in itself. I don't even think, um, like, just just factually, like, a woman ran against a historically poor camp, um, candidate, like, unlikable, terrible guy, and lost, right? Like, I'm not saying that a woman can't win. I just, I, I, like, just the, the idea that somebody would say that and it would be this horrible thing, I, I just find kind of juvenile. And it's hard for me to hear... 
um, from both campaigns when you consider... Ted Cruz's dad was accused of being <laughs> assassinating JFK. Yeah, but that's he called funny. His wife, he called his wife ugly and fat and disgusting. Um, Jeb Bush, he basically said he couldn't get his dick hard. He was low energy. He didn't have the, the freaking, you know, the libido. Like, we're talking, he, like, he basically, he, he called Marco Rubio, implied that he had a small penis. Like, all of these things, right, that he did. And they all, one by one, got fell in line to make sure that a Republican won the presidency. I think that's, like, to me, that's the lesson that needs to be learned in all of this. That's the one. But two, what I will say that I do find um, disturbing on the part of Warren, I think it's obvious that the people around her have, have convinced her that the person that she needs to go on the offensive on is Bernie and not Joe Biden, which I think is interesting. Um, and because and, and I think it's interesting because I think it says something about who those people would rather see win. I think um, ultimately um, the people on her staff who they think they can then go get a job from right. if Warren's thing fails. Like if like it feels like they've made a conscious decision to make the Bernie make it a Warren versus Bernie thing. And quite frankly, Nando. At the fucking debate, they both took, like, basically refused to attack Biden on Iraq. And this was a foreign policy focused debate. Like, this is like this is something that you have to hammer him on. This is something that you need to this needs to be an anchor, a noose or whatever the fuck you want to call it around this guy's neck forever. And they both refuse to do this. And so it just makes me wonder, like. When these guys, I was 18 days away and these guys are still playing with kid gloves. Like, you know, at a certain, to a certain level, I understand what you're saying when you're like, yo, it's disgusting to try to associate Bernie with sexism. It's, it's ridiculous and stupid on his face. Um, but on the other hand, man, it's a campaign and people are trying to win. And I think just as a, as a faction, we just get caught up in these things too much, man. Like at, at 2016, I feel like, People are learning the wrong lessons a lot of times. And, like, the lesson to me is, like, oh, my God, Bernie said this about Hillary. And Hillary and them said this about Bernie. And, motherfucker, Donald Trump won the presidency, guys. Like, that's the lesson that should be learned. A lot of the stuff that we harped on in 2016, I think we need to move on from. Well, I guess what I'll say is that I think you're right that this is a campaign and people should have it should have it out. And I'm all for that. And I think many people have been calling for Bernie to be more aggressive, both on Biden and on Buttigieg, but even on Warren herself. And he's and he's refused to do that so far. Like he has not gone after Warren, really, uh, at least head on. Um, I think the difference is, is like when you're making sort of political arguments for your candidate, that's one thing, especially if they're based in fact. But this was just a full on character assassination based on a thing that is impossible for him to deny. Right. It's and it's based on probably a lie. Let's be honest. Like there is just no way he said that he's not he's too I mean, even if he even if he believed that, which he clearly doesn't. I mean, this is the man who who was the only white elected official to endorse Jesse Jackson in 1988 because he believed that a black man could win the presidency when no one else would. You know what I mean? Um, like it just it just flies in the face of everything we know about him. So it's obviously untrue. And it's just different when you. When you when you straight up resort to that kind of uh, to that that sort of underhanded lying, I mean that's what really that's what really got to me. If she if she had made a point about Bernie being too 
to left to win uh, or, you know, that his policy of Medicare for all uh, was unreasonable or unrealistic or whatever. Those are political arguments and they're fair game, I think. But just a straight up character assassination in this underhanded way is is, is really, really, really shocking for me to see. I mean, I think you mentioned them going after Biden on foreign policy. I think Bernie was gearing up for that in the lead up to this debate. I mean, he'd clearly been more aggressive in the public appearances that he's been doing in the last week, talking about the Iraq war vote uh, for Biden and, and comparing it to his refusal to vote for the Iraq war. I mean, he clearly went after Biden in a much more aggressive way, and he was probably gearing up for that in the debate. And then this Warren thing completely derailed that, right, because it put the focus on them. Um, and, and so it just didn't it didn't give Bernie the, the space to then it put him on the defensive. It didn't give him the space to go on the attack, um, you know, which is a shame. But at the end of the day, I still think, you know, it's going to blow over and it's not going to be good for yeah. Warren. I mean, she's too far back in Iowa at this point. Uh, Bernie's tied for first place in the polls. And in 2016, if you look at the polling on the day before the Iowa caucus, he was 10 or 12 points behind Hillary. Um, and then on the day of the caucus, he outperformed the polls by about 10 points. He, he mm. basically tied. Um, mm. She won by like three tenths or some, something absurd. Like. So if they're tied in the polls and Bernie has this superior organization and has more passionate volunteers and has you know, more fundraising and, and more donors and all this stuff, it stands to reason that he will probably outperform the polls once again in Iowa in this caucus state, which is a totally absurd system. I mean, I was I was there in 2016 for the Iowa caucus. And I swear to God, like if they don't get UN election inspectors uh, in there soon, I mean, it, it is like the most rinky dink way to <laughs> decide an election. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think it will blow over. I mean, I just think it, what it does is it damage, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, we, we can just dis dis disagree with Warren or whatever, but she would have been a good ally um, to have in a potential Bernie administration. And now it just feels like she's burned those bridges to a degree that is, you know, that, that, that seems irreparable at this point. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think we, I don't, I don't know that Bernie's a, a Barry type, right? Where Barry's like, yeah, you guys put the Kenya thing out there, but I won and like, go ahead, go be secretary of state. Who cares? You know? Um, so I don't like, I don't know if Bernie has a lot of that in him, Ultimately, again, I don't I just don't think this is that that damaging, I, you know, like um, the I did like the sexism charge will never stick. And th that's why I think the people in her campaign aren't very smart, man, because like this is not the type of thing that could stick. Right. I think the type of thing that sticks to Bernie is like when you talk about rigidity. Um, he's not flexible. He can't, you know, he can't convince people because he's too um hard-headed and he's too, you know, he's browbeating. And like you hear that shit from normies all the time. That Bernie's too strident and that his supporters like those are the type of things that'll stick to Bernie. The idea that Bernie's a sexist and he hates women and he's illiberal in that way will never, ever, ever, ever stick to Bernie. Um, I want to get to Warren and Buttigieg uh, in a second. I mean, excuse me, uh, Biden and Buttigieg. And just the way sort of the, the debate gets framed and what, what I want our listeners to be paying attention to. But first, March 28th in New York City at the Bell House in Brooklyn, Count the Dings will be coming to you live 
on stage. Myself, Amin El Hassan, Zach Harper, Tom Haberstro, Ethan Strauss, the evil producer Jade Hoy, Rob Lopez will be in the building. Uh, Tony Mays, Nissan Bluestein, Eden Lee. Uh, I mean, the entire Count the Dings crew, Mariano Bivens, will be in attendance. And we are lining up our craziest lineup of guests in the history of the Count the Dings live show format. We will have announcements in a few weeks, but trust me, you do not want to miss this. In the past, we've had such great people as Jay Adande, Jake One, the legendary hip-hop producer, Pablo and Bomani Jones of ESPN fame, Taylor Rooks of Turner and Bleacher. Uh, mm. The list just goes on and on. And, yeah, Nando. Mm. Yeah, sounds like the, a great, a great yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on and on of the type of people that we've had, you know, walk on that stage. to. Uh, it's the real, of course, did... Did a great bit the last time we were in New York. Oh no, two times ago when we were in New York, uh, we just we've just had incredible guests in the past, and we're trying to line up the greatest guest lineup that we've ever had. So of course, you do not want to miss, miss this. That's March twenty eighth in Brooklyn, New York. Get your tickets on countthedings.com. Uh, when you miss it, don't hit my line saying, "Oh, Waz, we should have been there." Blah blah blah. Don't miss this show. It's going to be incredible. I put my name on it. Uh, make sure you get your tickets at countthedings.com. All right, so, Nando, just a couple of things. I just, yep. you know, I think the consensus coming out was that Mayor Pete is just an unserious cat. Um, he is just such a product of the donor and consultant class. It's just, like, he's not a human being out there. <laughs> he's just a bunch of talking points and notepad reading, and he just embarrassed himself, in my opinion, out there. I thought he was horrific. Um, what did you think about Mayor Pete's performance? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm obviously biased because I despise Mayor Pete with every <laughs> fiber of my soul. Um, I, he is everything that I hate about uh, a certain kind, yeah, politics, a certain kind of person too, like a certain kind of striver who like has his whole life has just desperately wanted to be president and become a Rhodes Scholar and, you know, volunteered to go to Afghanistan in 2009, like an insane person after it was like very obvious that like that <sighs> war was a completely immoral disaster, you know, and the, the sort of 9-11 thing had already worn off. Like, you know, it's just everything about him uh, makes my skin crawl. So, yeah, that being said, um, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, his problem is going to be black voters. I mean, and, you know, it's one of those things that that really um, makes you believe in politics that uh, a guy like Mayor Pete has such low support with with black people. I mean, he's got like, you know, it's close to zero. It's within the margin of error of zero, at least um, with black voters, because his record in uh, South Bend as the mayor was you know, like it was the worst version of a Democrat, like a woke Democrat, just like throwing black people under the bus constantly at every single opportunity he could. So, yeah, I mean, when I was actually surprised that the CNN uh, moderators gave him a pretty tough question on on that, on, on his lack of black support, um, which his campaign has tried to explain away 
in myriad ways. Yeah, they they, they released it. I mean, that is just also like just absolutely shocking to release like, the, the focus group that said that, yeah, uh, black people are too homophobic to support a gay guy. As, I mean, as it's if, like as if Luther Vandross doesn't exist. I always yeah, make that joke, but I mean, exactly. come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and and, you know, like when to hear him talk about it just it just drives me crazy to hear him talk about um, his experience serving in uniform, you know, like all that stuff. Like it's all so contrived. Yeah. You know, he 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 volunteered after he would already he'd already gone to Harvard. You know, he was set. He didn't need to go to war. Right. Like he wasn't like a a, a working class person that needed to pay for college or anything like that. I mean, no. it was just it was a pure cynical a political play. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, and and you know, man, have you ever se- have you ever seen the movie Booksmart? Yeah, great movie. So that's that's Mayor Pete to me. That, that scene oh, yes. where where she's learning that she was a dork for no reason, right? It's just yeah. like yeah, that's you, Mayor Pete. You spent yeah. your time doing all of that stuff, wasting all your time. And no disrespect to your service, like of course I got I got respect for anybody that goes out there and put their lives on the line, like. You know, you can say what you want about it, but like, man, being in a foreign country, a bunch of people speaking a language you don't speak, not knowing a damn thing about anything and knowing you might die, like, you know, to come out of that on the other side is, you know, something is that you, that's not something you can denigrate. Yeah. That being said, right, um, you do have a record as a mayor, right? Like, y- y- like you, you've done things like outside of that, that just disqualifies you from being president as far as I'm concerned, especially not um, a democratic president, right? Like you can't win the nominee having your record being who you are. And, you know, and the final thing I'll say about Pete is that I, it's just to, the, the thing about Warren that, that surprises me. I just not surprises me, but that I don't think a lot of people get is like, I don't think her support is, all that progressive. I it's think not. her 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 support. She has a she has um, a reputation as being super progressive, but I don't think her support is. Her support is the same as Mayor Pete. Mm-hmm. It's eggheaded, overly educated, professional class of liberals who, yep. theoretically and um, in theory, on paper, can understand the need for you know universal college and and healthcare for everybody and all of those things but at the same time it's like i mean i got healthcare yeah. and i've already got three degrees so like <laughs> is it really that big of a deal right yeah. like i think and and i think you know the, the 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 appeal of mayor pete and 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 warren is that they see themselves in in those two people yeah um they're no, and, educated, and, and, they're professional, they're enlightened enough to and not call black people niggers, right? Like they, they see <laughs> the themselves lowest bar ever. In, in, yeah. in those people, right? Um, and I think that's the appeal for them. Um, but that like these people aren't actually their 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 fan bases aren't actually progressive. And I think there's a there's a huge overlap between those two. Well, it it you know, like your your instinct is exactly right because that that has been played out in the actual polling. Um, what, you know, if you remember a few months ago, Warren jumped out to the lead. Um, she, you know, she, she challenged by nationally in first place and she jumped out to a lead in Iowa. Um, and then she started fading hard. And just as she started fading, um, mayor Pete is when, when he had his surge. So it was very clear that all those Warren supporters were actually going to 
Mayor Pete. Um, and if you look at Warren's base of support, the, the Bernie uh, internal uh, Slack channel volunteer was exactly right. They tend to be wealthier, educated liberals. I mean, which, like you said, they, they know how to say the right things to come off as like these woke progressive types, but they're the kind of people that would um, block um, block a school integration uh, for if their kids were you know about to get their school integrated with a bunch of black kids from the hood, right? Which is like what Samantha B and and Jason. Which hey Nando, I aspire to one day be one of those type of liberals, man. Hey, get, <laughs> get off my lawn. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Remember that scene in the OJ uh, the OJ Simpson show on FX where yeah. Where he comes back from the Bronco chase and he says, "What are all these niggas doing in Brentwood?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's so true. Like that's exactly that's exactly what like who the type of person that would support uh, sure. a mayor Pete. Yeah, and and this is the thing, right? Um, had there been had there been um no Bernie, if he wasn't in existence, um, I would absolutely be supporting Elizabeth Warren's campaign. 150 million percent. Um, I don't think, like, when you think of something like the CFPB, yeah. uh, there's nothing in anybody else's record that even comes close to that. When it comes to, I'm talking about Mayor Pete and freaking loathsome Joe Biden, like, you know, this is some, like, she cares about stuff that working people care about. Yeah. I don't think it's enough of her platform. For my personal liking, but she cares about it and she has a grasp and an understanding of it. Whereas these other people are just completely out the loop. Um, we can move on from Mayor Pete sure. um, and Biden. Um, I think it, just a couple of things, man, because of this foreign policy thing. First thing I want to say to our listeners, you notice if you watch the debate, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? When it comes to getting to see a doctor and not going bankrupt, going to college and not going into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Um, just things that normal countries don't have going on. Um, normal rich countries, I to say. Uh, normal rich countries. We are the richest country. Just, just, to, get that, just to get that out the, uh, ever. the way. Not just right ever. now, ever. Ever, yeah. right? Um, just to get that out the way. Um, but when it's like, Hey, man, the, the Ayatollah thinks the U.S. should be backing out. Shouldn't we be engaging them in Iraq? Shouldn't we be engaging them in Iran? No mention of how much it's going to cost. Oh, just, yeah. just understand. Just understand how the argument is always being framed to you. You know, you're going to have to ask these questions yourself because the people who have been entrusted with the responsibility of framing these issues for us so we can have the most thorough understanding of it are freaking either extremely stupid, which I I just reject offhand, or they're carrying out a different type of agenda. Yeah. And the bottom line is they never ask that question. Bernie's the only one that's like, trillions of dollars were spent on a needless war in Iraq. We got nothing out of that war. There is no democracy there. We made Iran, who you guys think is our enemy, stronger there. Their influence there has grown since. The region has become even more unstabilized. We, materially, as a country, I'm not talking about Halliburton, Dick Cheney and his homies who got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts to, to, to help um, make that war happen. 
I'm talking about America as a country got nothing out of that trillion dollar investment. That shit will never come up from a moderator when he's asking a, a candidate whether he wants to start a fu- blow up Iran or not. Yeah. And I think it's something that our listeners need to be stay conscious of because, again, the gatekeepers at MSNBC, CNN, and God knows Fox News don't give a fuck, ABC, um, they're never going to frame it that way even though that is the case. So last year, a UN group of scientists, a United Nations group of scientists, did a study um, to figure out how much it would take to basically fix global warming, um, or at least buy us a significant amount of time to fix global warming. And they came up with a number that was $300 billion. If with $300 what? billion, yeah, it actually buys us up oh to 20 God. years of time to fix global warming, wow. right? That is less than half of the annual military budget of oh the United States, right? Um, think about oh that. I mean, we could cut God. the military budget by half, <laughs> Which would, no one would even notice because we we would still have the largest military budget by like a factor of ten, um, <laughs> and you know we we wouldn't have to we wouldn't have to cut healthcare or any of the good stuff, Listen. and we could just give the UN the three hundred billion dollars to fix uh, climate change for at least to at least buy us twenty years. And, and here's um, a little secret. Um, and, and, and if you talk to people in the military, they tell you, they're like, they always overax budgetarily because they're oh. like, it's not that we need it. It's that, well, just in case we might, you know, we don't want to have to go back and ask for more. It's not that we need it. Like, the, the amount of waste, like, again, the word waste is sort of a dog whistle nowadays to mean black people on welfare. Like, when you hear right. people talk about <laughs> yeah. government oh, yeah, totally. waste, it's literally that's all they're talking about. Yeah. When they say government waste, they're not talking about military planes that go nowhere and never get used and money gets poured into it. Or ask somebody who goes to like their base and they're like, yo, bro, the amount of equipment that we got that never gets used, you know, they end oh, up yeah. donating it to in- police departments in Indiana who are never going to use it for any <laughs> real reason. But they'll bring Pete. it to, <laughs> of course, <laughs> but they'll bring it to, you know, yo, my cat's in the tree. Like, and I'm being, I'm being facetious right now, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there is an incredible amount of waste in the military. Like, shit. They are bloated. It's the most bloated faction probably in the world. <laughs> okay? They are bloated. So much waste. That's why it's important what Nando just said. Sorry, Nando. Go on. No, go, go ahead. On. The, uh, if any of your listeners or any of the listeners ha- out here have worked at a big corporation, say like a, uh, you know, uh, a big multinational corporation and yeah. have been a, a part of a budgetary process for their department, they know that it's not it's not a good thing to save money for your department. Say your department got, you know, a $10 million budget for the year and you guys spent $8 million, meaning you saved the company $2 million. What that means is that your budget for next year will be cut to $8 to million. Eight. Yes. Right. So what you often <laughs> see is like in December, um, these departments will spend a bunch of money, um, like buying a bunch of staplers and, you know, whatever, just to get, just to fill out the budget to the 10 million that was allotted. So then they, so then that next year they can then ask for, you know, an extra 15% or whatever, you know what I mean? And that's exactly how the military works. Like they don't necessarily need all the money, but 
they spend all of it and then they ask for more um, because and then they make all kinds of justifications to then ask for more. I mean, it is no coincidence. This is this is a fact that you can look up on Google and it is no coincidence that the richest county in America per capita, the richest county in America is where the Pentagon is. That is not a coincidence. That is 100 uh, percent correlation does equal causation. Right. That's because the money flow of that 700 billion, it's not just to pay soldiers and to pay for their health care. It's to buy big weapons from private manufacturers like Boeing or Booz Allen or yes. Raytheon or whomever. And there's a bunch of people that work for those companies or are investors in those companies who are making a lot of money off that gravy train. Um, and that's basically the number one job of a U.S. president uh, in the last 40 years is to keep that gravy train going, which is why we constantly make up these monsters around the world that we need to slay because they're very, very bad. Uh, I remember when uh, when Gaddafi in Libya was very, very bad and he was going to do a genocide and we had to kill him. Um, I remember when uh, Saddam Hussein was very, very, very bad and he had weapons of mass destruction and he had um, used chemical weapons on his own population and we had to kill him. I remember when, you know, the, in Somalia, the the Mogadishu situation was very, very bad, and we had to send. You know, like you, said, you could just come up with, and that's Nando, basically Nando, just to Nando, keep the gravy train flowing. Yeah. Remember ISIS? Yeah. Like I you forgot about that. Wait, wait, wait. Forgot far. about that. Remember when ISIS was coming to chop your head off in your living oh, room yeah. as you played NBA 2K? Yeah. Do you remember that? I had completely forgotten about ISIS. These guys, because that these, is, guys yeah. these guys in the desert on pickup trucks were scaring the shit out of Americans. Right. Like, it's and that's another thing. Like, we're such pussies. We're so easily scared. It's, so easily. It's, it's disgusting. It's we're so easily like, oh my god, that guy has a turban on. What MS13, the do? guy with the face tats on MS13 is going to come and rape your daughter in yeah. Long Island. Or, 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 <laughs> or, or my, one of my favorite things, and this is all just marketing, by the way, when they go, oh, we, we can't house this terrorist in a prison. Why? Yeah, why? We can't try oh, him. So, why? Right, we're such... Whips. Oh, he's like, such a super. He's yeah. such a super terrorist. We can't <laughs> yeah. put cuffs on him, lock him in a cage like you do everybody yeah. else. He's not yeah. getting out. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? We, we didn't even have the guts to like bury Osama bin Laden. Like, they had to dump him out in the middle of the sea. You know, like oh, they had to dump his body out in the middle of the sea. They couldn't even like yeah, bring his body back because no, we were because scared. If, yeah. Because if you bury him in the dirt in the U.S., his body is gonna sprout like yeah. other terrorists. Yeah. Like, like out of the fertile U.S. soil. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it's really pathetic. I mean, it's just, um, it's yeah, stupid. but that's how, that's and, who we are. The safest people in the history of the world, by the way, like there's yes, like the, the threat I of mean, violent death for an I American, mean, um, I mean, outside of from maybe ridiculous. the cops, <laughs> you yeah. know, is, uh, it's ridiculous. You know, it's no, ridiculous. no population has ever been safer ever in the history of the world. It's ridiculous. And you know, um, <laughs> I just wanted to say that about the military and 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 just and I've said this on the show again, but it's it's important to just remind people like when you're listening and watching these things, like what is being fed to you? Um, and Biden, again, he's a bum, he's a scrub, 
He's he's a celebrity though. He's got name yep. recognition, so he is a formidable foe. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm sick and tired of everybody taking it easy on his ass. They need to go no Vaseline on him, man. <laughs> yeah, they need to go crazy on this dude. You know what the Biden campaign reminds me of? You know, like in the NFL, when a team jumps out to like a big lead, and there's like you know there's like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they're they're up by like three scores, and they just go into prevent defense, yes. and then they just like allow the other team to just come back. Yes, like yes. the Biden campaign, you know, was a, had yes. a huge advantage going into the campaign, right? He, I mean, he, he, the early polls when he first joined the race had him up in like the 40s, close to 50. You know, no one else was even close. I mean, now, I, think, I think, Nando, I think that's the whole reason he got in. Yeah, absolutely. Is, He's is, like, look at me. I can, the, I can I win like, this thing. Like, I can do this. Well, also, the, the, the frustration of not getting in in 2016 because our friend Barry told him not to because he had cut a deal with the Clintons after 2008. You know, Obama was young and naive and he was very, very afraid of the Clinton machine, and probably rightfully so, because the Clintons are famously vindictive. So he's like, okay, I'll cut a deal. You guys, you know, I'll give you a secretary of state, and in eight years from now, I'll clear the lane for you guys in exchange for you not undermining my presidency from our own side, which they absolutely would have done because the Clintons are vindictive, petty people. Um, so when 2016 rolled around, Biden was like, hey, you know, I'm the vice president. Usually, like, um, look, look at the, the history of vice presidents. Almost all of them end up running. Al Gore ran. Um, George W. Bush, uh, George H.W. Bush uh, ran. Uh, you know, it, and Nixon ran. And Biden, and, and Biden probably thinks, probably correctly, that he would have beaten won. Donald Trump. Yeah, because Not he does pretty well in those states in the, in the Rust Belt where Clinton did horribly, yeah. you know. So, so that's, that's also the other thing is like that, that frustration of that, man, I could have been president right now. Had I just disobeyed Obama, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) disobeyed daddy. Disobeyed Um, daddy Barry. (laughs) Um, lastly, man, let's just talk about Cory Booker, the end of his campaign. I gotta say, I, like Mike is a lot higher on this homie than I was. Uh, I was just put off by his fake Barack Obama impersonation way back. The Bain Capital stuff got on my nerves. I just, I don't know. There's just something. He's just disingenuous. He just doesn't feel like. I feel like I'm being lied to every time the guy <laughs> opens his mouth in public. Or maybe it's not that I'm being lied to, but somebody's putting on a performance for me. Like, they're not being themselves. Even if they're not saying an act, it's like, you're not in that enthusiastic about that thing, that, that fact that you're telling me. Yeah. You're not, like, there's just something, I don't know, slippery about this dude that I could just never get behind. And he just felt like a... You know, an even more centrist Barack Obama, which, like, I, I just have no interest in that and never did. Um, I thought, I never thought he was going to be formidable. I just didn't think he had the, 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 like, I, like, for instance, like, Kamala Harris, I thought, actually did have um, a magnetic personality. It's just that, you know, she was locking black mothers up and shit like that yeah. like that just, she just couldn't <laughs> she couldn't overcome it like i thought she actually had something when it comes to charisma and a personality and i was like okay this is something formidable i just never saw that with booker um so you know it's not surprising to me that his campaign quickly flamed out 
Well, Big Waz, your political instincts are once again right on point in to point out that Cory Booker feels disingenuous. Uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Cory Booker, for many years, in many campaigns, not just this campaign, or not, not just his campaigns for president, but his campaign for the Senate and his campaign for mayor of Newark, would talk about growing up with his drug dealer friend, T-Bone. <laughs> Guy named T-Bone. Um, who was never this, like, been bad a drug dude. dealer in the history of drugs <laughs> named T-Bone. I exactly. can guarantee that for a fact. Well, some intrepid reporter in New Jersey actually tried to look into this and was like, okay, <laughs> who is T-Bone? Let me find this guy. Oh and he like God. asked the Booker campaign and they this kind of like stonewalled him. By the way, yeah, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, he found out that T-Bone doesn't exist. He's a, <laughs> he, he's fake. He, Cory Booker made it up to make him seem like he was, you know, growing up, growing up around drug dealers uh, oh, on the streets boy. of Newark. You know, That's like it's a good. complete fabrication. Um, which is just the funniest thing to make up, right? It's just like yeah. the funniest thing. Because even like, Joe Biden's weird corn pop story, like corn pop was a real guy. You know, they, oh, they actually wow. looked into it. Yeah, they looked into it. <laughs> corn pop actually existed. T-Bone is a complete fabrication. So, oh, so yeah. why would you say your drug dealer's name? Like, I don't understand right. that. Like, why? Like, just, just, just say like, yeah, my drug dealer friend, you know, like no one yeah, would ever look into it. Yeah, a dealer and, you know, he wanted to be a doctor, but he just couldn't blah, 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 blah. Like, whatever, right. man. You could have told us any kind of lie. You had to name him T-Bone and give it yeah. away. Yeah. Anyway, you know, he his campaign dried up, couldn't gin up the support. The money started drying up. Um, I think the Democratic establishment would have been more than happy to have him. Oh, absolutely. Had he been able to mount a successful campaign, like he would have been a the donor class would have been like, that's our guy. Like everybody would have loved him. Pelosi types, Schumer types oh, would yeah. have ran behind him with the quickness, with no problem whatsoever. Uh, it, you know, he's just part of that wing of Democrats. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, as as the senator from New Jersey, he's basically in the pocket of Big Pharma um, okay. and uh, and Wall Street. So and he's shown in the past that he's willing to play ball, right? That if you know he is willing to play ball with the donor class. I mean, there was the famous uh, repost to uh, Barack Obama when Barack Obama was talking smack about uh, private equity. Cory Booker went on Meet the Press and bravely came to the defense of private equity, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, you know, the, the donor class and the establishment of the Democratic Party would have absolutely been happy with Cory Booker. But I want to I want to get your take on, you know, this idea that which I, I obviously think is regrettable in many ways. But the fact that there's no more uh, black or brown candidates up there on the debate stage, um, my, my feeling is like, yes, that's a shame. But it also, you know, like none of these black candidates got any support from actual black people so then like what whose agency do we care about right again um if cory booker came out and ran a john edwards campaign and he got no support i'd have been disheartened right if he would have ran some jesse jackson poor people's campaign i would have been disheartened um or kamala harris or i mean um castro like he didn't have the 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 progressive bona bona fides Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you will, but like he ran a pretty progressive campaign, so you know he should have got some more traction for sure. But uh, no, like no, these people weren't progressive. So you know, <sighs> no love for uh, no love for Andrew Yang guys. I mean, Dave Chappelle just gave him the nod. Nah, he That's gotta true. Miss me. He's a billionaire. He got to miss me. 
Um, he got he got a he got a super miss me. Um, and, and and again, he's minority. But like again, like look at what we're talking about. We're not talking about a uh, AOC. Right. right, like if an AOC type of minority candidate ran in this field, right. that's a different story. If they couldn't get any traction and they were just getting the, their tires blown out at every turn, I'd have been like, okay, all of the black people, Deval Patrick, oh yeah, he's, he he's still in there. Oh, exactly. What, what 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 platform is he running on? It's not a progressive one; it's an establishment one. So I, I like I don't know why I should care. And here's the thing too. Um, that I think often happens, and I think it even happens amongst people on the left, they make this conflation with minority equals progressivism. Oh, yeah. Just, some, just because something is minority-based, it's inherently progressive, and that's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Um, it's why so many of us just... so, And, and I count myself among them just... We assumed Barack Obama was a radical simply because he was black. Nothing this man said or did before the (laughs) campaign was in any way radical, crazy, you know, flaming hair, liberal, nothing. He did nothing to not in the direction of radicalism, to not in the direction of progressivism or or leftist thought and ideas. Nothing. We all just put that damn cloak on him because he was black. <laughs> and I think that's what people are doing here when they complain about um when they complain about a lack of minorities and women and all of that. It's like those two things are not always the same, man. Having a black candidate like okay, uh, being about issues that probably disproportionately affect minority people. Um, I don't think you need to be a minority to be for those issues right. is what I'm saying. Um, but that's just the way I see it. And, you know, and I will say this, this is the problem with having a broad coalition is that it's hard for these candidates to thread the needle. Yeah. It's hard to appease the black people in the party, appease the brown people in the party, appease the women in the party, appease the white people in the party, appease the professional people in the party. Up like this party is such a big freaking tent, and that's not hyperbole. That's just what it is. <laughs> like there are only two types of white people in the Republican Party: poor whites and rich whites. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. There is nothing. There's nothing in this party. There are poor blacks, rich blacks, poor whites, rich whites, poor um, brown people, rich brown people, like professional brown people, educated. Like there are so many types of people to contend with. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's happening. The, the, like to be able to thread the needle. Is so freaking hard. It's why, like, Barry, you know, there's a reason why he didn't come out and say, I'm a proud black man and, and start right. talking like James Brown, motherfucker. He mentioned that Trayvon Martin could have been his son and people lost their goddamn minds. Yeah. Uh, it's also okay? why I picked Biden in the first place. Yes. To assure, you know, like, skinny look, white people I know that I'm he black, was. Not, but I've yeah. got this really old white guy with me. Yeah. I'm not you gonna know, do anything like, crazy. Yeah. And I think that to me, that I, I think. I think that, like, it's just, it's not nuanced, the opinion. They're like, oh, we're the brown and black people candidates. It's like, I mean, give me some brown and black progressives. Yeah. Okay? In in four years, eight years, 
when or if people like AOC, Ilyan Omar mm-hmm. are still um, involved in politics, I bet you they'll run and I bet you they'll get broad support. I bet yeah. you within yeah. this party. I think that's right. I think that's that's right. I mean, it it, it will, you know, the, the Democratic Party is notorious for being bad at sort of nurturing um, the bench. This is like this is like me being like a you know centrist political wonk, uh, you know, for like Yahoo News or something. But yeah, I mean, that's something that the Republicans are very good at. They have all kinds of organizations which foster um, young Republicans. They like they get. Republicans nominated to like school boards um, and local city councils and things like that, um, and they're very well funded and it, and it gives um, it gives them this like basically very deep bench of uh, of of people to choose from when it comes to uh, nominating people for Congress and Senate and governor and even president. Democrats like don't do any of that. Um, I mean, in Ryan Grimm's book, he he talks about how basically the only uh, thing that you need to be able to run as a Democrat is the ability to fundraise a huge amount of money, um, which is not a good, not a good thing. Um, they don't do anything to, to, uh, foster this, uh, recruitment phase of young politicians. And I think, you know, the, the effect that people like Omar and AOC will have is just that they'll, they'll basically inspire so many people to be able to think like, actually I could do that. Like I could, I could be Ilan Omar, you know, like if Ilan Omar could do it, I could do it. Like if AOC could do it, I could do it. Um, but we need that, like, not just, not just at the, at the big federal level, the sort of sexy positions of Congress and Senate and, and, and president, but, you know, city councils and state legislatures and all that stuff where a lot of power actually gets wielded in America. And if we fill those positions with actual leftists, especially if they're part of the sort of multi-racial working class, um, then you'll able to see a huge profound change in this country. Yeah, man. Well said. Uh, that's our show for today. Again, make sure you get your tickets for the live show in New York, uh, March 28th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, Gowanus. Uh, make sure you go to countedings.com. Please, guys, um, make sure you become a patron of Counted Dings. We It's a new year. We're going to have a brand new offerings. Um, we're taking it a step further, man, because we want to reward the people who, who really support us and make shows like Bomb and Woke Bros and, you know, uh, Pack Your Knives and things like that. Make those shows happen, the mailbag. We want to support. We want to reward those people for supporting us, and I think we got a lot of exciting stuff rolling out in the future, so make sure you become a patron of Count the Dings. Uh, man, Nando, thank you once again. You were fantastic as usual. I know you got to go. Be um, a pretty boy over there <laughs> on the Young Turks or something today. I know you you all over the internet sphere, man. Yeah. So thank you for stopping in with us. We really appreciate the time, man. Hey, thanks for having me anytime. 